try? Look at that. Okay. Well, um, uh, what a clunky start, yeah. everybody. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Comedy Film Nerds Podcast, episode 399. Oh, my God. Halfway to 798. Pretty exciting. It's so exciting. And it's, it's perfect. The 400th episode will actually be the Star Wars spoiler. Yep. Perfect. I know we're not in Australia like we did two years ago yes. for episode three hundred. Mm-hmm. It'll still be it'll still be fun. It'll still, it'll yeah. still be fun. We're not going to record it at three in the morning in a pub, right? But uh, <laughs> it's still going to be fun. So episode four hundred uh, will be the Star Wars spoiler up, and uh, but this one we're we're going to dance into some Oscar picks. We are indeed talk about why the Golden Globes. Great job, just excluding women and and anyone else of color. Way to go, good work, Golden Globes. Way to go, Hollywood Foreign Press. Really did a great job, and especially after last year's Oscars and all the sexual harassment stuff, picked a great time. Yeah. Picked a great time to have people just go, "Wow, you guys are idiots," yeah. and bail on them, and not nominating Patty Jenkins is mis fucking mystifying. Anyway. Um, we are, uh, let's talk, let's bring it, let's introduce our guest. Yes, we've actually been a fan of our guest for a while. We've been a fan. Uh, we've been on the his show. show. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which is a little bit bigger than this one. Yeah, and- a little. <laughs> uh, your guest has been a big fan of you. <laughs> well. There's a lot of mutual love here. I thought I was number 400. That's why I got excited. I was like, sweet, it's episode 400. Yeah. <laughs> let's do this, boys. And then I'm 399, so I'm just a footnote to history. Yeah. <laughs> I'm an asterisk at this point. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that is Mark Ellis from Schmo's Nose. Thank you. Thank you. Good to be uh, with you guys again. And it, like, it's always fun to gear up for Oscar movies this time of year and yes. then it's also I mean I love that Star Wars movies come out around Christmas now like it's something that you always associated with May and it's like oh no it's a summertime it's a, the official kickoff to summer now it's the official Christmas season yep. it and is. I kind of like it the way it is right now. Yeah. I'm down with this Disney Every- changed the schedule. I love it so every other year we get a Star Wars movie. Next year we'll get one of these Rogue One type spinoffs. I'm right. I'm in. I'm well, in. well, Disney decided it's like, well, okay, Marvel gets the summer, Star Wars gets you know Christmas. Yes, that's right. Mm-hmm. Disney with their first mm-hmm. move after acquiring Star Wars and becoming the evil empire is yes. saying, you know, Christmas it's not about Jesus anymore. Yeah. Santa's cool, <laughs> but it's mainly about Star Wars. Yes. We're going to put a Star Wars logo <laughs> on everything, yes. and you're going to see it every year. There will not be a year off where you won't. Won't no. get a Star Wars movie. Every Christmas is going to be a Star uh, Wars. Although Christmas. it looked like the Han Solo one might be a little late. Well, the but, Han uh, Solo <laughs> one, th- because I thought that was going to get delayed. Yeah. But it actually. Because they reshot 80% of it? Yeah. I mean, Ron <laughs> Howard came in and basically made a new movie. Yes. And with the skeleton that Lord and Miller had, uh, had already set up. But the crazy thing is that that's the movie that's not going to get delayed. So actually, you're going to get the Han Solo movie made 25th, which is a very you know famous date in Star Wars lore. That's when the first one came out in 77. You're going to get that May 25th, 2018 is when the Han Solo movie is coming out, and then you're not going to have a Star Wars movie the next Christmas because we're waiting two years for episode nine. So a, a Christmas without a Star Wars movie. I know. So they're just ruining seem right. Christmas of 2018. Is <laughs> yeah. that what I just heard? Is that what I just <laughs> What are we going to see? There's, yeah. there's no Avatar movie yet. I mean, come on. They just ruined their own schedule. I can't even... <laughs> I'm... I'm not going to participate Christmas yes. this year. <laughs> no, it's canceled. I went ahead and yeah. canceled it. Good for you. Good for you. Eat your Advent calendar chocolate, and then we'll just <laughs> move on to the new year. So, Mark, you guys, um, tell everybody, I'm sure we have uh, um, 
a fair amount of Schmoes Knows listeners, but those who don't know what it is, when did it start? What have you been doing? What is it? Yeah, Schmoes Knows a channel that uh, we started as a channel on YouTube that uh, me and my buddy Christian Harloff uh, created. Uh, we were both uh, big into stand-up at the time. I mean, obviously, I'm still a comic, and, and we uh, we wanted to come at movie reviewing from the standpoint of just an everyday person, like the way you see a movie and you talk about it with your friends afterwards, just like the two ordinary Joes or Schmoes talking about movies. We didn't want to mm-hmm. be known as like the highfalutin critics. and. Right. And so we started building a following through that vein, and YouTube was kind of new at the time with people going to that for movie reviews. So we were able to, you know, get get fast tracked a little bit into getting some sort of notoriety and popularity. And then now, you know, years later, we uh, were, you know, accredited with the MPAA. We're certified on Rotten Tomatoes, all that good so stuff. You're so you're actual movie reviewers we've now. We become what we despise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but it, it, it's fun. It, but I always still approach it like my main goal if I'm doing a movie review or anything is just I want to be entertaining. You know, that's right. all I want to be. I want to be entertaining. I want to be honest. If it's stand-up, if it's with a movie review. So even if it's something I was looking forward to and I'm disappointed, I'm going to tell you that. If it's something that I did not want to see at all and I loved it, I'm going to tell you that. We're going to be honest with you. And I do still try to look at it through the eyes of somebody who's working very hard or their parents work very hard to go get 15 bucks to go see a movie. So mm-hmm. that's my barometer. I mean, I love and I, I really am so... Uh, in awe of people who are able to work in film and work on movies. I know how much effort that takes being on the actor's side of it, but at the same time, I'm not shy about crapping on a movie if you dupe me into paying $15. So right. Because that's that's a lot of money to a lot of people. So if I tell you to go see a movie in the theater, I mean it. Ah, I love All it. Right. And we were on Schmoes Knows like a month or so ago to promote yes. earbuds, which is mm-hmm. awesome. You guys got a really cool facility, and I know you're moving. I think and we and talked. And we talked about some uh, some Avenger stuff too, and yes. some Marvel stuff. That's you, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, uh, and and earbuds is great. Thanks, yeah. man. Yeah, I mean, you got you, you, you can tell it's a labor of love, and 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 it's and it's a nice mirror holding it up to the community and just seeing how how rabid y'all's fan base is. And and like I said, I want Schmozno to be in the sequel. I want. To, <laughs> I think we should have been a post credit scene at the end of Earbuds. Is just wait till you see how crazy these kids are. Yeah, if I had a dollar <laughs> for every, uh, you should have put us in your movie. I would be a billionaire. <laughs> Maybe I'm the four hundredth dollar. Yeah. Maybe I'm not the four. 400th episode on the 400th album. You know, sequel. I mean, it could be worse. You could be cut out of the film. That's, yeah. Like me. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't You didn't quite make the final. You're didn't on the cutting the room floor. Yep. We didn't turn the camera on during his interview. <laughs> yes. I mean, it was just a charity event. I mean, Aaron is good people. We just Especially we, uh, when we said, well, Aaron, don't worry. There's no way we're going to cut you out of this film. <laughs> <laughs> you're in for sure, buddy. Yeah, yeah. It's, it is the best lie to tell when you go back to wherever you're from and you're having beers around the holidays with all your high school friends is to mm-hmm. say you got cut out of a movie because then nobody ever is going to ask nope. for proof because, yeah. oh, yeah, man, I mean, <laughs> you know, Spielberg and yeah. Denzel and Seth Rogen, they all came yeah. up to me and said, man, we're so sorry we cut you out of the movie and but no look i got their phone number in my phone <laughs> it's not real it doesn't matter <laughs> just steal some screen grab of yeah. like a, a, a like yeah. on the set and just photoshop your head and go yeah it was in the post yeah and I they just, just cut it out man. i changed i changed the contact information i changed graham elwood's number and i put denzel washington so if you get a call from one of my friends just just if you could do the voice that'd be great i'll do denzel yeah. for sure i can do a spot on denzel washington i can't do it right now but i'll ramp up yeah. and do it I'll, I'll work on it well when you see it ring You'll have a chance to kind of prepare. I also have, I have a yeah. really good Meryl Streep. You know what I mean? Oh, I run the post. That's, you know what I mean? <laughs> so there's that. You're Meryl Streep, Mancini. You just got promoted to Denzel. Congratulations. Yeah. All right. Ah, I'm Tom yeah. Hanks. Yeah. I'm running this paper with <laughs> yeah. a wig. Have you guys talked about the post yet? No. On the no. Show? Not yet. Oh, it's good. Oh, really? Yeah, I really liked it. Okay. Really liked it. Nice. Oh. 
Okay. Nice little hint as to, you know, things going on in society today versus back then. Mm-hmm. And, you know, kind of a Let's see, uh, cyclical history. Tom Hanks, Meryl Streep, and Steven Spielberg. You think it'll get nominated for anything? No. I think it might have a shot. Mm-hmm. Might have an outside mm-hmm. puncher's chance. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Did it get snubbed by the Golden Globes? Oh, no. It got every... The Golden Globes gave it everything, didn't it? Dominated a bunch of times for yeah. everything. The Hollywood Foreign Press loves... They, they just they look at things and they don't actually see movies. Well, let's no, talk no. about that real quick. They, uh, I mean... That that's uh, I mean that's that's pretty much celebrity bait is what you know. Usually though, like the last last year, the Golden Globes kind of was a little more ahead of the Oscars in terms of like diversity and stuff like that. How did they not nominate any female directors? It seems like they were going in the right direction for a minute there, and I think that all of the the sexual harassment allegations coming out of Hollywood in 2017, I think the Golden Globes might have attempted a course correction and they might have overcorrected. What I mean by that is that there's a movie coming out called All the Money in the World that Ridley Scott directed, that Christopher Plummer stars in. Christopher Plummer replaced Kevin Spacey in the movie. They reshot all of his scenes with Christopher Plummer and they did it like that. It's, it's the most movies. amazing. It's yeah. in, in a month. He was replaced. They shot and got a nomination. And it's new never trailer happened. like and came out immediately. New trailer and they're still going to hit their targeted release date. But here's the thing. Their targeted release date hasn't happened yet. And the movie has not screened for critics yet. It's screened for a very select few people, but I don't know if all of them are in the Hollywood foreign press. So I think that they nominated Christopher Plummer and Ridley Scott as a way to say, hey, yeah, we're going to get you guys in there because you guys took care of the bad guy, Kevin Spacey, which I applaud. But I also say, how about you just reward the best filmmakers of the year? And it's it's shocking to me that you don't have a Greta Gerwig in there for best director for Lady Bird. Um, you know, you could have put D. Reese or Jordan Peele even a, as a director yeah, for Get Out, he, oh. screenwriter for Get Out. I mean, there's a lot of diversity in Hollywood that we got to celebrate in 2017. There's still a lot of steps to go, but there's a lot of it that we saw come to the forefront, and the Golden Globes seem to not really pay that much attention. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm mystified again, as I said at the top of the show, Patty Jenkins. We've talked numerous times about how good of, a, of Wonder Woman was. Sure. Now. now, I don't know if that snub was more rooted in the uh, looking their noses like uh, superhero movies always don't get the same credit like the- well I mean also you just look at the structure they have a comedy slash musical section you know <laughs> right you know nomination. which they really that's like the dumping ground for movies they wanted to nominate right. for best drama but they didn't have enough room the Martian right. won yes for best for comedy, best comedy. Musical. yeah are there songs in it yes does Matt Damon crack a couple potato jokes in it yes yeah. is it a comedy <laughs> hell no, no. no. Not at all. no. and the Golden Globes it, it positions itself as just this fun drunken slosh fest with all these celebrities so why not embrace that and just nominate the movies that we we all love the most, and, and and in that vein, Wonder Woman certainly would have been nominated. Mm-hmm. And Patty, who would not want Patty Jenkins and Gal Gadot at their award right? gala? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you want them? Wonder Woman, this first ever like Wonder Woman female lead superhero, this groundbreaking movie on a lot of levels. It did it did really good business. It did. It's empowering young girls and all this. Wouldn't you? It was the only DC extended universe <laughs> movie yes, to be watchable. Yeah. I so mean, there's that. Uh, it, it it it's. Astounding me, but let's all right. So let's go into Lady Bird. We all three yes. saw it because because uh-huh. Greta Gerwig was another again somebody that was completely mm-hmm. shunned. Now I, I want to say before we start talking about this movie, um, the the first thing that surprised me about this movie was that it was not as advertised on the trailer. The trailer showed this quirky comedy, and it was not. It was a drama with some light comedic moments mm-hmm. on it. So I really feel like 
you know, you know, this happens all the time. It's like, why you keep doing a disservice to these movies? Show what the actual movie is. And because I know there's going to be people that are going to be pissed off and saying, oh, this wasn't that funny. You know, because your your trailer is showing this quirky, fun comedy and your movie is actually a drama with some, you know, funny moments in it. But now, that being said, I really like the movie. I just thought it was advertised incorrectly. Yeah, I mean, I, I liked it. Um, you know, what's uh, Searsa Ronan? Um, uh, no one ever pronounces her name correctly unless you live in Ireland. Ronan? Two weeks ago, I was going Sayerese. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was going to go to and then, But now I've landed on Searsha, so I think, I'm, yes. I think I'll, it'll mm-hmm. stick this time. Uh, you know, she... I went online and actually Googled it, pronounced. Good mm-hmm. for you. Yes. Good for you. <laughs> um, so, like... She does a really good job, and oh man, Laurie Metcalf as the domineering, highly judgmental mom. She was great. She was great because mm-hmm. you, you, it was like, that's how those types of, I've met those moms. I know people that grew up with those types of moms, usually, and they're usually hardest on the daughter, those type of moms that are just like, no, why would you wear that? And, you know, your hair's weird. You know, like just, mom, I'm not being judgmental. I just think you should have different hair. You know, just like <laughs> they can't get out of their own way in terms of being. Like, they love their kids. Yeah, I don't mean anything by it. I'm just saying you're ruining your life. Yeah, I know. It's a weird phylum gene splice of stage mom that that gets into infiltrating their entire lives. It's not as, like, straight villainous as, you know, a, a Carrie or a, right. a Mommy Dearest or a Black Swan, but you see elements of it there. But I think the issue I have with the mom is that I, I ended up liking that character a lot simply because I have loved Laurie Metcalf right. since I was a kid watching her on Roseanne. She was so good as Jackie on Roseanne. Right. She's so good. I mean, she was great in Uncle Buck. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, I mean, that's, that's Laurie Metcalf, and you just see it was so believable. I mean, the opening scene. Yeah, I, be- I believe that character. Like, like there was the, you always run the risk when you have a character like that of, uh, like, you go one way too much or the other. Like, oh, well, now she's too mean. She's the mean mom. Right. And now, uh, oh, she has heart, and, you know, she's supportive. And, like, oh, well, now that doesn't make sense because now you have both these things and they don't match. It's a balancing act, and I think they uh, Greta Gerwig pulled it off. Yeah, I think she did a really good do- job. I mean, Saoirse Ronan, she's a really gifted young actress. She is. I mean, I talked about this when it came out. I wasn't I wasn't a huge fan of Brooklyn, but, like, the movie she she – uh, opened with I forget that where she was the young grazed by an assassin. Oh, uh, Hannah. Yeah, Hannah. Yeah. Oh, oh her, man, yeah. she was I great in Hannah. that. Yeah, I, I bought her. I, that made me want to have a daughter just to train her as an assassin. Yes, <laughs> yes. You see how I do? Throw my hat in this this weird Hunger Games ring yes. that we're in. <laughs> but Bro- you know, Brooklyn did the same thing this movie did, which I appreciated, is that her performance uh, gave me an insight into feeling, uh, having empathy for this character because I've been in those situations before. Now, I've never been a young Irish lady, but this the homesickness that she portrayed someday. <laughs> yeah. So when I do episode 500, yes. <laughs> it's going to be a different Mark Ellis. But she she leaves Ireland and she goes to Brooklyn and she's experiencing this new life that has these tinges of homesickness which I think a lot of us can relate to. And I just felt that come off the screen with her. And here, the way that she goes from friends to friends and is trying to find where her pocket is, what what her real click is in school, I, I think a lot of people can identify with that. And that was one of the elements of the movie that I found really coming of age. And I think every so often we get a great coming of age story. Like you reminded me of Perks of Being a Wallflower. This was funnier oh, than right. Perks of Being a Wallflower was, mm-hmm. but it had a lot of those same dramatic coming of age elements. The thing that resonated with me with this film is, I mean, yeah, she's obviously, and some of this stuff we've seen before, but it also, it, it, keeps happening she bails on the nerdy friend to go with the cool girls i mean right. that's that's still ha- the cool rich girl the cool rich girls mm-hmm. 
Well, the thing I identified with is I remember when I um, when we moved from Madison, Wisconsin to Evanston, Illinois, and Evanston is on the North Shore of Chicago, and it's a pretty it's a pretty diverse suburb, um, but it has crazy rich people, like people in million dollar homes on Lake Michigan, and we lived in an apartment, and I remember, like, there's a scene. You know, she she lies where she lives and her doesn't want her dad to drop her off in front of the because they got her a scholarship to go to a fancy Catholic school right. while the rich kids go. And Lori Metcalf holds that over her head. Mm-hmm. You know how much money we're spending on you? It's such a great it's such a great scene. I remember those. I remember those arguments with my parents when they were like, oh. did you ever say, give me a number? That was fan, that scene was so great. I remember a, not that exact word, but I remember some fights like that where mm-hmm. they they were just like, "Well, the money and the money," and I was just like, well, "Fine, man. Like, here, I'll pay it all back." Then, like, I remember saying, "I'll pay you every penny back, so I don't have to fucking listen to you anymore." <laughs> um, and I remember that was a great scene when uh, when she oh, said that, "Give me a number and I'll pay you back." And I'll pay you back. Mm-hmm. She right, and then the mom goes, "What, honey?" And then she just throws the notepad down, and the dad's yeah. just like, "Ooh, don't make your mom mad." Oh, the you, poor dad. Oh, the poor yeah. dad when he's wait with the job interview scene. When he, oh, Jesus! Mm-hmm. We're all gonna feel that way at some oh. point in our yes. lives when, when we're we're looking at the ghost of Christmas past mm-hmm. supersede us in life. And I'm just it hasn't happened to me yet. Maybe when I turn into an Irish girl, it will. But it's like <laughs> it, it, I, I I could feel the future of Mark was like in that tinge and it's just <laughs> oh god it's just it, it felt authentic you know and and yeah we've seen a lot of these things before but it felt authentic and Greta Gerwig it, it's not autobiographical but it's got notes of her own life in there that she was able to infuse in the movie and I think it really it helps it from a cinematic standpoint feel like it's a real piece that we're looking at not just right. a, a movie I was uh, I remember when girls would like like rich girls would give me a ride home from school because I would either take the city bus to school or you know, like if I didn't get to drive my mom's uh, Ford Fairmont three-speed station wagon, um, did it have wood paneling? No, <laughs> but it did have a stick shift. Yeah, and <laughs> with that car, as long as your your feet weren't propelling it like the Flintstones, yes. you, were, you were doing okay. Nineteen seventy-eight Ford Fairmont, fine mm-hmm. piece of three-speed um, stick shift station wagoning from the good people of Ford Motor Company. <laughs> um, but I. Uh, I remember these when they would drop me off. So my the apartment we lived in it was it was a fine it was like a condo it was decent but compared to their mansions, um, I had I you know I felt bad about myself and we lived next uh, our thing was off an alley and it was next to a gas station that ended up burning down so there was this mm-hmm. burnt down gas station, and I would say oh the parking's weird drop me like a block off and they're like where's your home oh, it's, it's it's weird it's hard to get to, because I was like ashamed of 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 where I lived and I remember that because then you know someone would the parties were always at mansions like man like John Hughes I grew up in the John Hughes era like right. those mm-hmm, type mm-hmm. of parties I saw those I saw it happen people jumping off the second floor into oh, the pool oh my god <laughs> I, I dated a girl that went to a private Catholic school further that was in an even wealthier suburb than where I lived and I went to some formal with her and then we went to a party afterwards and there were two Ferraris in the garage Ooh. of this house. Wow. Two. 
Because you got to have one on the weekend and one during the week. What sure. are you, an animal? You've got you drive a, the same Ferrari all the time? You've got a work Ferrari and a play of Ferrari. Of course. Honey, why are you taking the blue one out on Tuesday? Oh. That's the Saturday Ferrari. What are you, a savage with one Ferrari? <laughs> Did you ever have the moment where the, the rich girls take you back to their house for like after school, and then the dad comes home and says, I don't want you hanging out with that Elwood boy anymore? <laughs> I did have a little version of that because I went to the public school that had black kids in it, you know, like, and she was in this all white. Um, she went to, I forget, it was some Catholic school, and her brother went to a Catholic boys' school, and her parents were big Catholic. I remember this. Um, I, and she, we were out, she had her driver's license before me, so we drive around and go in her dad's car and make out or whatever. And then she was out too late, and her mom was furious. They did not like me because <laughs> I was from the wrong side of the tracks or whatever. And, you know, my high school was like 40% black. I was on the football team. Like, I, you know, that's how I grew up. And she was, that was all white, wealthy, and where she lived. And her mom got furious and like, and yelled at the dad to drive us home. So I had to get a ride home from this girl's dad and her, and we're driving- To get a talking to? (laughs) Oh, this is a fun one. Um, So we drive down the street and he goes, and he points at this Catholic church and goes, is that your parish? And I, for a split second, thought about saying yes, but then I won't. I went, no, I would dig myself a deeper grave. And I just went, no, sir, we don't really go to church. Yeah, man. No, Way perfect. to be honest. Because we were raised Catholic, but I we stopped. My mom was like, the hell with this. So I was like, no, sir, we don't. And I remember telling my mom that. She goes, that was the smart play because she he would have gone, oh, do you know father blah, blah, blah? And then I would have been like, oh, I don't see him all that often. Really? You don't see <laughs> the head of the church that often? Like, So I remember that car ride home, and I was just like, you know, and or you didn't you remember father made up name? Yeah. F- <laughs> yeah, I mean Father he, McFakey? Yeah. This is actually good for all the new parents out there listening is that that's how you rope a dope a kid you don't want. Is you say you remember this one and then you say yes and then they're like, "Well, he is not a real person." Right. So you're a liar and you're walking home the rest of the week. I had all that shit, all that John Hughes stuff. And you know, and then the rich like tad boyfriend that was like muscling in. I remember she called me and said, hey, did you send me flowers? And I went, no. And she was like, what? We got anonymous flowers. You sure it wasn't you? I said, no, I didn't. I don't have the money to send you flowers. And, and turns, I don't want to spoil you. And turns out this rich, some rich asshole, some polo wearing Biff motherfucker sent her anonymous flowers, hoping I would take credit for it and was going to try to out me. Oh. And when I was like, no, I'm all up front. And then he admitted that to her, and I go, wow, this guy's a piece of shit. Wow, you were in the middle of, like, all these weird uh, truth grifts. It was fucking <laughs> truth grifts. Like, that's all these rich people try to do it. They think, yeah. oh, like, they want to paint me into some poor, yeah. you know, like, outsiders. Oh, yeah, Elwood's a dumb poor the... guy. He's going to lie at any given moment. That's what the poor do. They're just lying grifters. They're yeah. just liars waiting for our wealth to trickle down <laughs> to them, and we won't have it. Watch out, Amy. He's going to knife you. And... <laughs> and take one of our Porsches. Yeah, exactly. Her I name like... was Amy. Her Irish name was Aileen. It was like, and so the only thing I had going for me was that I was part, I'm Irish, you mm. know, like it was the only thing, but I was the like, 
there's that type of Irish we don't want to associate with. Yeah. You know, the feisty. Like, like leprechauns. The, the dirty ones. <laughs> the ones that don't have real jobs. The yeah. ones that are still out there in the streets making pipe bombs and lying about <laughs> flowers and parishes. Yes. But I was like, you're rich, filthy scams. Both fail, motherfuckers. Yes. Now I'm going to take the city bus to fucking football practice. Yeah. That'll learn you. I yes. love what an elaborate like, like, effort that is on the part of the rich kid. Like, why not just ask her out as opposed to trying to weasel his way into sending her flowers waiting to, that's like an elaborate plot that what this a kid punk yeah. yeah I mean what a fucking punk modern day kids don't even make that effort they just send dick pics yeah Is and they arrive instantly <laughs> <laughs> did you send a dick pic no <laughs> back in my day you yeah. had to lick a stamp <laughs> put it on an envelope take a polaroid <laughs> yeah. Go and put it in a mailbox. Put it in a mailbox. What's that? Oh, damn it. So, so anyway, I live next to a burnt down gas station. The rich kids tried to make me feel shitty, but they didn't win. Yeah. Um, but you that's, are Ladybird. That's why I'm mm-hmm. Ladybird. That's yeah. why I identified with this. I'll tell you, it was. Uh, it had some really fun scenes in it. Like uh, all the theater audition scenes really made me laugh oh, when yeah. those kids are trying to sing the songs. And uh, at nearly all the songs sung in the audition scene. Uh, scenes were written by Stephen Sondheim. Uh, whilst he huh? composed the musical, wow. they ended up performing "Merrily We Roll Along." So uh, I think there was care given to actually pulling actual songs <laughs> that they were butchering in every scene. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really I, I liked it, and I'd like to see I'd like to uh, I, I'd like to see it get some awards, you know, at least some nominations. We'll I, it, is it from what I've seen thus far? Is we'll see it, what happens at the Golden Globes. <laughs> So. <laughs> well, she's already been shunned, so maybe Greta Gerwig will get some nominations. Yeah, I mean, the the one hope that you have for the Oscars, and look, I, I treat these things with about the same validity as I do the ESPYs, where it, it's a fun show, but <laughs> yeah. this, this isn't real. None of no. this is actually real, but what the Oscars has been better about is seeing what the Golden Globes do and sometimes being able to say, oh, well, th- that should that snub should not happen at our ceremony and the voters saying we need to take the time to actually watch and invest in all these movies and really, really look at how it's going to reflect upon us based on who we nominate. I really feel like this this That'd novel- be nice if any of that was happening. Oh boy. That's that's my that's my rose tinted <laughs> colors Jesus. where they're letting more people and younger people and more diverse people in to be the voting body of the Oscars, but mm-hmm. it's gonna take a lot more time than yeah. I think a couple of Damn it, we need ratings. You know Where what everybody I see? gather around here. I, we I need still ratings think for this show. Year, I, I will take this to my I think the last year was a total I think it was planned. I think it was staged. I think it was a hoax. They they gave a frozen envelope to Warren Beatty and poor Faye Dunaway, and I think that whole thing was rigged. I think they meant to do that. I think they meant to do that to get Oscar buzz for because because the Oscar ratings have been declining every year. So we need some big, huge gaff or something to get to make sure people are watching us next year. So let's trump out these two poor bastards. Have them read the wrong envelope. One guy takes the fall of Pricewaterhouse Coopers. They say, and you we get to re- award both movies without shunning our beloved La La Land. So which I love, I love that movie. But they get to say La La Land, and then La La Land gets to celebrate, and then Moonlight, and then we have this great coming together and it's this huge moment that's that's now part of oscar's history and i think it was fixed Ooh. Yeah. Oh, wow. and i'm the only mark one ellis does, but... just yeah. grassy knolled the uh, last year's oscars nice. uh so there was a second shooter according to mark yes. ellis and god bless him i, I, I always it. go i never attribute malice to anything that can be explained by stupidity so. Well, that's it, 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 that could be true too, and that that clip of Faye Dunaway saying "La La Land" is so happily and you know. Yeah, <laughs> I tell you what, though, I yeah, Chris, I believe that to a point, but I always say follow the money. If it did spike the ratings mm. and the money went up, 
then I go with what Mark said, <laughs> and I have no doubt. Like I, I don't trust the these. What I see is all these giant corporations and institutions, not just the Oscars, but I mean they're all owned by there's six uh, multinational conglomerates that own every single major media outlet. Mm -hmm. So to me, and now might be I'm, down to five soon. <laughs> yeah, it might be down to five. Uh, now, granted, I know I'm sliding into my progressive socialist political vigilante road real quick but like i think the powers that be see everything crumbling around them so they're doubling down like that's why you've got every every big they're just the fossil fuel industry is dying and they own and control everything well you never saw competition before especially mm -hmm. in media companies like you know when you know do you think nbc a few years ago was worried about youtube what's that who cares mm -hmm. but no, there no. is no competition though because right. youtube is owned by google you know so. what I mean? Like, so it's like that everything owns. So I think it's it's all about just manipulating the masses and keeping their one these one percenters keeping their power structure. And so they're just they're just they won't change. They are not going to change until everything collapses. I mean, like every big institution is just doubling down even harder on the crap that is not working because they refuse to change. Well, and you look at networks and, and what has always worked for networks, at least in the last 15, 20 years, is, has been reality TV that is staged. It's professional right. wrestling. When right. you watch of The course. Bachelor and Survivor and all that stuff, none of it's real. I'm right. saying none of it is real. And if you take elements of that and you say, well, people are watching it, because we're setting up these storylines and not letting anybody know right. we do it. I don't know why you wouldn't attempt the same thing you know, at an were, award show. There used to be, like, uh, like technically, those reality shows are game shows. Sure. And they, right. they should be regulated by yes. the uh, you know by the government, but they're not. Right. <laughs> uh, so, but I will, I will say this, though. The one thing that has helped break this monopoly on the few media companies that are there are places like Netflix and YouTube mm -hmm. and all of these other places where content is being created and... Uh, uh, driven, especially you know YouTube because it's user-generated content. But you know you have all of these other places that you're getting content from and media, like uh, you know NBC didn't oh, used to have to worry about CBS and ABC. Then sure. along came Fox, and you know now you have Netflix and Amazon. But also you you know you lose people to other forms of entertainment too. People are literally just playing an app or texting on their phones instead of watching something where they're playing a video game or, or, you know, there's all these different places people are spending their time and money. Yeah, it's hard to have those singular cultural events where everybody's watching the same thing on TV. You get it with the Super Bowl still. Right. And I think the Oscars tries to do that. I think a lot of other right. things try to do that. You're never going to have that landmark moment of the Beatles being on Ed Sullivan and everybody watching it because yes. there's too many options for people now mm -hmm. to watch, which is a good thing. Like, I, I just finished watching The Punisher on Netflix. That's what network shows would love to be able to crank out. That's why they're trying to make SWAT and all these other things that are just not going to hold a candle to something that gets that deep and that raw and that emotional. They can't. The the, the FCC confines do not allow them to do it, and their right. base of viewers will not will rebel against that stuff. So that's why people are going away from them if they want to watch a an hour long serial. Well, let's go into this now. There's a couple like Oscar contenders, uh, Mark, that uh, haven't. Are, they're going to be limited release and then probably go wide after the first of the year. That you've seen, Shape of Water. Yeah, um, Shape of Water went uh, is out. Um, Neil went to see it. Okay. down at uh, the um, Sunset. Okay, and at the Dome, but with a Q and A with Guillermo oh, del Toro nice. afterwards. He said it was amazing. Now. Um, I'm excited to hear about this movie. I didn't get a chance to see it yet, but I'm excited about well, it. Well, Del Toro is a guy that I would want to be on a Q&A after I see the movie because that guy just drips 
pure adoration and passion for cinema. He loves this right. stuff. I mean, his imagination. When you watch the Hellboy movies or Pan's Labyrinth or anything that he's done, even a movie that I did not like, like Crimson Peak, right. every frame of that movie is just There's so care in it. packed right. with, 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 with love of, of crafting a film that he wants to make. And you see that again with Shape of Water, but this story just speaks to so many different elements of humanity, of where we've been in our past, where we're going in our future. And it's the story of this woman who discovers this aquatic-like merman creature that is being held captive in a lab. And it's part Beauty and the Beast, and it's part I love you as a pet, and it's just part there's connections that humans can have that go beyond just, oh, I, I want to I screw. You know, right. it, it's more than that. It's a real spiritual, emotional connection. And well, just, on the surface, doesn't look like an Oscar movie. It, it just, <laughs> I mean, it, it's it, you. You wouldn't think that a lot of the things that you describe about this movie would be that. And and you know, Guillermo del Toro, primarily known for having a horror slant on things, mm-hmm. and yes. you get that. This is almost like the creature from the Black Lagoon: colon, a love story. Right. You know that that's what it is, but there's just which was his biggest influence in making this. For it's, sure, he loved the creature from the black and, and the creature in this, it, played by Doug Jones, who's mm-hmm. done looks exactly you know, when I the first trailer I ever went, I go, oh, that's the creature from the black lagoon. Yeah, that's the I, first thing I thought. Somebody described this movie to me, and I was thinking like Little Mermaid, thinking like Ariel in my head, and then I see it, and I'm like, nah, this is this is black lagoon territory. Mm-hmm. And the creature's done so well. Doug Jones is fantastic. He's kind of the uh, I would say he's like the practical effect version of Andy Serkis. What Andy Serkis does with the right. you know performance capture, mm-hmm. this guy always signs up for Del Toro movies and other projects where he gets to be that kind of creature. So and not an Abe Sapien origin story. It is not an Abe <laughs> Sapien origin story, but you can see elements of Abe in here. Right. And uh, and Sally Hawkins, I think, is a, is a shoe in nomination for the Oscars, and I know she got nominated for the Golden Globe, so they did get that one right. Oh, okay. Yeah, and uh, how's the other extra, like Octavia Spencer and Richard Jenkins? Octavia, Octavia Spencer does this great thing where she she's able to steal a scene that she's in but not overpower the narrative. It's like a right. it, it's a tough line to watch. She did the same thing in, in, in The Help and, and in most of the work that she's done in Hidden Figures where you can't take your eyes off her, but you're still focused on the overall story it's telling. She's got a great subplot. Richard Jenkins has a great subplot. Michael Shannon is just, it, Michael <laughs> Shannon is really good at being really evil and he knocks it out of the park here. So then how would you... It's weird. Movie? Michael Shannon's creepy in a movie. Weird. He's weird. Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's, he's one of those guys like Ben Mendelsohn where it's like you hope as an actor that, that you get to see them attempt something else. And, and Mendelsohn has and Shannon has. Shannon was right. hilarious in The Night Before. But when they come on screen and they're playing a bad guy, you're like, all right, you're doing this again. And then five minutes later, you're like, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I'm on board. so glad mm-hmm. you're doing this again. <laughs> um, so then I, another movie you said you saw was I, Tanya. Mm-hmm. Is that is this Oscar worthy? Is there any nominations coming out of this? Or? I don't. I mean, I I like the movie. I appreciated the movie. I think that it's so performance driven by Margot Robbie as Tanya Harding. I think she uh, could get nominated for playing Tanya Harding, and I think that. Is Allison Janney going to get a supporting? Allison Janney should because she's just she's so fucking great. Man. She, I loved her in the trailer. The trailer with the cigarettes and the uh, you talk about those mother characters we were that we were having the conversation with with Lady Bird where you know Laurie Metcalf that you can still see the love there with this Allison Janney. This is more Carrie Ma. I mean, this is uh, she is mm-hmm. she is a snake. The, but Janney, Janney, you can see that there's some sort of care for her daughter way back in there. But she never lets it get to the surface, and it's a brilliant performance to watch. Sebastian Stan's really good too. He plays Bucky the Winter Soldier mm-hmm. in the Marvel movies, and he plays Jeff Galuli 
Oh, right. in here, and he's really good it as well. It bothers me that I know that name, that I grew up <laughs> in a time where all this was breaking, you know, in the news. Yeah, and- I, I, w- I was a kid when it happened, but I do remember, that, and, and they do a good job in the movie of this, there's this weird uh, handoff moment in America where people hated Jeff Galuli. He might have been the most hated man in America, and then you had that former running back guy who killed those two people in Brentwood, and then the news started getting a hold of that. And so it was almost like Jeff Galuli handing the baton to OJ, <laughs> wow. letting OJ run with it. And we all forget about who Jeff Galuli is. Wow. Well, that's interesting. So, so is what you've seen thus far overall, strong Oscar field, weak Oscar field? I think year? it's a very strong Oscar field, and I think it, it could not have come at a better time because the summer was somewhat lacking. For me, anyway, with what right. I go to the summer movies to see is a great blockbuster entertainment. Right. And I got some. I mean, I love Spider-Man Homecoming and Wonder Woman, War for the Planet of the Apes, but there are a lot of other ones I think missed the mark. And so hoping for a good Oscar season, we got a great crop here. We got, Did you like Guardians 2? Uh, I liked Guardians 2. I, I didn't mm-hmm. love it, but mm-hmm. but I liked it. I really had a lot of fun with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it didn't, it, it didn't feel as as fresh or as fun or as funny as the first one was. Um, but another great one that I think might be my favorite of the year is Call Me By Your Name. Oh, Call Me wow. By Your Name is so well done. It's so... Our, our guest uh, talked about it last yeah, week. Yeah, last week, Leah yeah. Mansfield saw it. Um, I, so you liked it as well? Loved it, loved it. Yeah, I mean, I, I can relate to a lot of the movie, as a matter of fact. And I, I, I'm a straight guy, at, as far as I know, and I can relate <laughs> to a lot of what I saw in the movie, just as uh, a young man played by Timothy Chalamet, who will get nominated, and he got nominated for a Golden Globe, too. And just seeing him discover new things about himself, whether that's, you know, revealing what your sexuality is or how you feel about politics or whatever Mm -hmm. it is. You all have those feelings when you're that the age of this kid was. And I certainly did. And it's almost like I can apply my 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 love of making people laugh and starting to express that in high school the same way that this kid is starting to have feelings that are of a very different nature. Mm -hmm. But still, do I reveal this to people? Who do I reveal this to? What's their reaction going to be? Movie takes place in the early 80s. It ain't 2017. You p- kids are apprehensive about revealing who they are in 2017. Try to do that in 1983, right? You know, so it, that's a very when you got very a guy lying movie. about buying your girlfriend flowers. You I know, know. <laughs> trying to pin you into some church that you don't want to belong yeah, to. It's yeah. a weird thing. Who knows what their sexuality is for rich people? <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't matter who, who you sleep with as long as it's on a pile of money. Yes. That's all that matters. <laughs> oh. All right. Well, let's, uh, we got an ad, Reed. We do. We have our Patreon ad, Frightfully Uninformed, a podcast that watches mostly classic horror movies to figure out horror movie fandom. Frightfullyuninformed.com. Guys, that's the $50 level of Patreon. You can get your business mentioned. Get a jump on your 2018 marketing. You could, because you, uh, you know, it'll get charged in January, and we'll start reading in January. Yeah, because of all you Patreon supporters, we've been able to consistently do um, two spoiler ups a month. And then the bonus uh, Neil content, and sometimes yes. even months we will do extra stuff. And so we have a YouTube. Get movie recommendations. Movie recommendations. We have the, the Occasional YouTube. Occasional poll. A poll. We get the YouTube channel is now a thing. If you just want to watch this so, show like one movie description at a time um, in a shorter content, you can go on YouTube and do that. So go to the go to YouTube.com slash Comedy Film Nerds and hit the subscribe button. Do we're it. a couple hundred thousand shy of where Schmo's nose. Yeah. Oh, get there, man. We're yeah. all, hey, we're all in the same hot tub together, gentlemen. So let's all be comfy with one another. So, all right, let's go into some trailers. Okay. Now, the new trailer for Ready Player One dropped. And I will say this, like I, I, I've said this before, 
huge, huge fan of the book. Mm -hmm. And it was the kind of book that you felt like, um, oh my God, this book was written just for me growing up in the 80s and what I used to do. Everything from like watching war games to going to an arcade to playing Dungeons and Dragons. It was literally, it's all in this book. And um, when I see the movie, I can tell the movie goes in a with the trailer in a slightly different direction because it's bigger and blockbustery and Spielbergy. And also, the movie, the book goes into so many pop culture references. Getting license fees and license agreements with all these things would be next to impossible. So you could see that uh, you know certain things you, you couldn't, you couldn't, you literally couldn't get everything in from the book. That's why you get to kill two yeah. birds with one stone having a hack like Spielberg come yeah. in who, who made half these properties that we're talking about. Yeah. So, oh, hey, by the way, can, when you're directing this movie, can we just yeah. shoehorn all that stuff that you? exact producer directed and anything owned by warner brothers or dc we can put that in <laughs> uh, so so it was the kind of movie too that i thought well when the rights first got snatched up I'm like well there's i don't know who's going to be able to make this movie with all these rights issues and all the things that happen and sure enough oh spielberg's directing it it'll get made yeah <laughs> yeah yeah now I'm, I'm completely convinced it's it's on the it's getting made and uh this new trailer uh, it is almost like sensory overload. Like you couldn't even catch everything that's in it. Everything from like the DeLorean to the the bike from Akira to you know every and everything that we're we're missing that that's it's in this movie. There's a ton of stuff. So, but the the one thing I liked about this trailer is it did show you what the story is. Now, basically, what it is, it's a scavenger hunt, a treasure hunt, to um, get control of this online universe called the Oasis, and whoever owns it basically gets like oh, they say half a billion dollars or something half like that trillion, half a trillion yeah, yeah half a trillion yeah. dollars i don't get out of bed for yeah a yeah, <laughs> yeah. You say the t word and i'll show up so so and the way the way the story progresses buys is a lot that, of fake flowers yeah, yeah. you know it's, it, it's one I'll guy buy that, my own church yeah. <laughs> call it graham elwood's mm -hmm. parish and yeah. all we do is make vegan smoothies and study samurai yeah and lie about flowers. And lie about flowers. I don't lie about flowers. Chris. I'm a man of my word. Did you buy me flowers? Nope. <laughs> so, so the story basically is, uh, you, you've got a kid from the wrong side of the tracks. You've got a boy ladybird, and uh, <laughs> and he lives in you know the the equivalent of the project, which is uh, <laughs> what I, I love is the. Uh, the vision of the future, which the you know the quote poor area would be, it would literally be um, tractor tra um, the trailers stacked on top right. of each other. Right. Like that's what it would be. It's is uh it's like well no that's how poor people live. There was no direction to go but up. Mm -hmm. So it, you know it's one uh, one trailer after another. So, but what it doesn't get into in the trailer that it does get into in the in the book that I'm sure is going to be in the movie is that. Uh, Everything happens in the Oasis. People shop. They fall in love. They live their lives there. They go to school there. So that's why it's so valuable because everyone basically lives their life through this um, basically online platform. And uh, and that's the story of like, okay, well, whoever can find this Easter egg that this creator that grew up in the 80s found is uh, is going to own this. So you've got, you know, the hackers, you've got the gamers, and you've got um, the evil corporations all trying to get at it at the same time. It looks fantastic. I mean, the, the, this second trailer, the first trailer I was on board with, having never read the book, and all I've heard is uh, from Chris and Jackie Cation and multiple other people is that I need to read the book. So what, what, have you read the book, Mark? I have not read the book. I, I own the book, and uh, it is very hard to get me to read <laughs> Very, I am a good reader when I apply myself, but I, it just ain't happening. I just mm -hmm. have too much stuff going on, and mm -hmm. if I sit down to read a book, 
five minutes later, I'm thinking I could be taking a nap. And <laughs> you, you read Tom Brady's book. You know sleep and hydration are the two biggest things that men of a certain age lack. So I want to get as much sleep as possible. But Well, you could read in bed. So then when you're ready to transition, all you have to do is put it down. I'm having some water right now. To <laughs> Which is true to Tom Brady's thinking. My other point is that I now if they're making a movie about it, I don't want to read it. I, I don't mm-hmm. want to know anything. I don't want sure. to know anything going in. But I had the pleasure of being a Comic-Con this past uh, summer in Hall H when they debut a lot of these trailers and Spielberg's on stage talking about it. Ty Sheridan, who plays the lead in there, mm-hmm. who's great in mud. He's, he's a really good actor. Right. The, a bunch of them were on stage, and they were talking about the movie, then they showed that first trailer. And I was like, holy crap, this is going to be huge. And then the second trailer hit, and I didn't know it had dropped, and I checked my Twitter feed, and I had a bunch of people tweeting me saying, I'm going to love the trailer, because I am a monster Van Halen fan. I <laughs> love that. And so I'm watching the trailer, and I'm thinking, is, is it is it going to happen? Halfway through, when Jump kicks in, what a perfect usage of that song that came out in 1984. Still feels futuristic and fun when I hear the song, and I thought it just meshed so well with what's going on in the trailer, and it got me that much more hyped. I probably watched that thing 20 times on Sunday. Nice. Yeah. I, there's, I forgot to tell this to you, but a fan mm-hmm. uh, sent this to me on Twitter, and it was literally that their tweet was, um, Graham, what were your second and third wishes when you got the genie and I was like huh and I click on the trailer and it's <laughs> Batman Ninja <laughs> this is the greatest thing I have ever seen in my life it is an animated movie out of Japan uh, Junpei uh, Mizusaki uh, directed it he has done um, a bunch of other animated things he's done uh, Zoo he's been uh, an animation department on Mega Man uh, X7 um, is it out yet? Oh, it's coming out in 2018. Okay. But Batman Ninja, like, you gotta like you gotta watch this trailer. It's subtitled because it's all in Japanese. Batman, like, you think I'm? You're gonna think Gra- Graham is making this up? Yeah. Like, ba- like if <laughs> I were to make get a fever dream after binging the last two Lego movies, it's- Batman Lego, <laughs> Ninjago Lego, and they combine. It's an animated film where Batman goes as a samurai to fight a bunch of like Joker zombie ninjas. It's there's an army of ninja jokers. Oh my god, that's hilarious. And Batman is summoned by some sort of Japanese council to fight. And so it's all just like like that's the whole and, and the trailer I stood up in my apartment and was shaking. Like, it's the greatest movie I've never had. Even the Star Wars trailer, like, the the last time I felt this way was 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 Dark Knight trailer ah. and Dark Knight Rises. But it's more powerful than that because this is the best of everything, and it's going to be released in Japan some point in 2018. There isn't a release date yet. That is powerful Japanese technology to get a bad signal strong enough to where he sees it and got them, <laughs> yeah. and he just keeps flying. He's like, "How far away is this damn it's signal?" Just Jeez. I. Can I, get on the bat jet to get there. If I awesome, can, yeah. I'm going to go to Japan for the premiere. Right. <laughs> That's my goal. Hopefully it'll be in April when the cherry blossoms boom, mm. bloom. And uh, my favorite line from The Last Samurai is, if you were to spend your whole life looking for the perfect cherry blossom, it would not be a life wasted. <laughs> <laughs> so this movie, this trailer, please look at it. Batman Ninja. It's the greatest thing that's ever Very cool. That's yeah, a pretty cool poster.
It's pretty cool. Fantastic. And the other, uh, the next trailer is uh, Jurassic World 2 with oh. Chris Pratt. Uh, now, this looks better than the first one. I, I will say, if you like watching actors run away from a green screen, you're going <laughs> to love this movie. <laughs> it's... I had a lot of apprehension when I read. I read the description, like they released the brief plot description, what you see in the trailer, like right. the day before the trailer. You came could out. describe that as for any Jurassic Park movie, <laughs> brief plot. Well, it's the Jurassic World. I loved. I, I loved the movie. I, th- I thought it was really well done. They captured nostalgia, gave us some new stuff. But my mm-hmm. one issue with it was that we we chewed up so much that I didn't feel like we had a real place to go for the sequel. Like, I, like, like you could have gone that military aspect where we're trying to stop the military from you know getting raptors and honestly, turn them into weapons. Any Jurassic Park movie, there's no way to go from a sequel. There's a park. The dinosaurs get loose. They eat people. Right. That's it. And, where else are you going to go? And then Continue. it ends, and it's great, and we celebrate it. Yeah, and, then the and then we see it again. Is, why are we going back again? Right. <laughs> but, and, and, and so I'm like, well, this doesn't make any sense. Why are we mm-hmm. going back just to rescue the species? Like, it's too dangerous. Why do that? Right. And then I watched the trailer, and then Bryce Dallas Howard is talking to Chris Pratt, and she says, Blue is still alive, and that's his raptor. And all I'm seeing is the dog that I'm a stepfather of right now, Molly, half beagle, half Boston Terrier. And if she was on an island full of dinosaurs about to blow up, and a volcano, I would go <laughs> yes. and I would rescue Molly. Mm-hmm. So fine, let's go back <laughs> and let's have a great adventure because these movies make me smile. I'm always, uh, you know, I, I <laughs> so thought the last one I'm was. I'm just trying to envision this island where your beagle is. Yeah. <laughs> The oh, you don't. You've never heard of Beagle Island. Beagle Island. And there's yeah. dinosaurs on it. Yeah, no, she's it's still Beagle alive and with all the dinosaurs on yeah. there. She's got some sort of mutant powers. Yeah. She's a badass. She's like Newt from <laughs> Aliens too. <So. laughs> now, I will say this: um, a lot of people hated the first Jurassic World movie, and I, I wasn't one of them. I thought it was like big dumb fun because it was Which is like what all Jurassic Park. W- movies well, yeah, are. you go in expecting, you know. Uh, Pretty much that's it. Dinosaurs are going to be eating people, and there's going to be great special effects, and uh, people are going to be running, yelling, run. So <laughs> that, that's what's run. good. Yeah, that's what you're going to get. Um, although my favorite part, because it was so ridiculous of Jurassic World, was uh, uh, I think it was Vincent D'Onofrio's character who wanted to militarize everything. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I was like, you got to militarize this. And then uh, he was like, and then he does this ridiculous speech. It's like, you got enough guns. You don't got enough people. This is going to be chaos. Like like that kind of weird, like, um, okay, well, um, what were the what were the direction and the notes? Be more of a caricature. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, okay, got it. Uh, but I really think, though, like you're saying, there's very other few places this, these movies can go. So it's either a park or an island. That's that's it. And and you're going to be running from dinosaurs. Yeah. So we're rescuing so, dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. You you could. I mean, one would surmise we're going to rescue a fair amount of them. That's the other problem. Is right. that like every where do you put them? Then? Now I care about all these animals. If you're going to mm-hmm. make me care about one of them, you make me care about Blue the Raptor. I'm going to care about all of them. I care about mm-hmm. them. I'm a T-Rex. I want all of them. So if I'm a member of PETA, am I walking out of this movie like, thank you for saving the dinosaurs, or am I like, <laughs> you saved three? And you killed a billion of them. Yeah. What did we really accomplish here? I'm I'm in alone just for the underwater shot of all of the. They're in the the pod or whatever. Yeah, that little ball. Looking up as all these dinosaurs are falling off of a cliff right. into the water. I'm just like, all right. And the, the dinosaurs are. Some of them are on their side. I don't know what's going on. I don't care. I'm yeah. ready. You know. It's going to be a summer blockbuster. Big bucket of popcorn, yeah. June 22nd, Big, loud, and just shove it in your face. Dumb man. dinosaurs, it's dogs g- and cats living <laughs> yes. with each other. <laughs> Mass it, hysteria. It will make hundreds of millions of dollars. It doesn't matter. And it's going to 
15 of those are going to be mine. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, whenever you see a Jurassic uh, Park or Jurassic World movie, you know every effects uh, artist in Hollywood got to work on it. Mm-hmm. So, they all they all yeah. did it. They all did some sort of brush on Photoshop. Right. With it, so. <laughs> so you're employing a lot of visual effects artists. All right. So, okay. <laughs> and uh, a DVD and Blu-ray. We have Kingsman, the Golden Circle. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Still haven't seen it. Yeah, no, you're not missing anything. I, I just can't. okay. That's why I haven't seen it. Everybody told me it was just so, yeah. And I'm like, really? I was excited about this at one point in my life. And I just, I feel nothing towards it. Hmm. Nor should you. <laughs> and uh, Home Again is the other movie. And uh, I think this is the Reese Witherspoon movie. Yeah, she she moves into like an apartment and three dudes move in with her because they're oh, her stages right. of her life. And it's kind of like, uh, I didn't see that one either. And, and much like Kingsman Golden Circle, I don't feel moved to mm. no. Go seek it out. No. Uh, Detroit. Detroit is now out. It seemed to take a while for this movie to come out on DVD. It did. It came, it came out a while ago this year. Yeah, and and I know you and I didn't see it, but we had a guest that No, was I on. saw it. Yo, you saw it. Yeah, you yeah. It. I, I did like it. It was, uh, it was a really stark portrayal of the incident, and also just to see... Um, you know the racist so the racism was just so in your face it was it was a well put together film mm-hmm. and it 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 achieved its goal based on an actual event yes yeah it it definitely achieved its goal of showing you how horrifying the whole thing is but what i really liked about it is it didn't just drop you into the incident at the algiers hotel it set up what led to it like mm-hmm. the rioting and the political climate at the time and even like the um, black politicians in that area saying look stop burning down these are our neighborhoods just stop and uh, just so you could get a sense of the climate that was going on that led to this incident so it made a lot more sense like it didn't uh, the movie incident didn't appear in a vacuum right. you're like okay this makes perfect sense because you've set up uh, everything that's going on at this period in time. So I thought it was a well put together film. Yeah, Catherine Bigelow, I thought it was a great choice to direct it too. Yes. I mean, you talk about like baseball players that are five tool baseball players. She's got a mm-hmm. lot of elements that she can incorporate. I mean, you look at what she's done with stuff like Zero Dark Thirty right. or The Hurt Lock. Like, these are really gritty, authentic feeling portrayals. And then John Boyega showing his range in there. Yes. Yeah. Well, thing, uh, and it felt like that. It felt like a, uh, a war movie. Mm-hmm. It oh, did. Well, yeah, Catherine mm-hmm. Bigelow doesn't get a nomination for the Golden Globes for Detroit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, there's another. The movie just kind of came out at the beginning of August. They didn't. And then, I, I don't yeah. think they never enough money about, about behind the marketing of it or what. But it should have. Fa- it I came felt- and went. The movie yeah. theaters. It didn't last very long. Like, I'm amazed it didn't. Like I'm amazed they're not even re-releasing it now to just kind of get. It seems like it's, and I don't know which studio released it, but it's like there's a small release, a handful of movies. Yeah, and they see which one pops the most with critics. Right when it comes out, and then it's like, okay, well, we're putting our money behind these horses, and Detroit, yeah. for whatever reason, just kind of got got left off. Well, That's you know so that weird. that did happen to Moonlight too. Moonlight came and went, right? And right. Uh, when it first came out, no one cared, right? And then when it started getting nominated, then it got like re-released, mm-hmm. and like a lot of people then kind of discovered. I remember buying a ticket for it. The people in front of me went, "Is this movie was this movie out already?" And I'm like, "Yeah, it was months ago, but no one came to see it." And then uh, <laughs> and now we're, it's being re-released. Yeah. So so it's possible. If Detroit does get nominations, it'll you know it'll get a little more uh, the credit that it I, th- I think it deserves. Mm-hmm. All right, coming out this week, there's a little weird uh, indie sci-fi movie coming yeah. out. I think it's called <laughs> Star Wars or Wars yeah. or The Last Yeti the last, or Yeti or Spaceballs too. The Spaceballs, search for more money. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mark, the Last Seersha. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> we find out the mystery of who <laughs> bought the flowers. Um, so you saw this film without I any spoilers. Had the pleasure of being at the without saying much premiere on Saturday night. How is it? The the entire spectacle of the night was great. I, I was calling it Nerd Prom 2017. <laughs> we were just getting dressed up. Were you at the shrine? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. we were wearing wow. tuxes and we got a limo and we walked the red carpet and did all that stuff. Went to the after party, had a great time afterwards. And you know, the movie has so many great Star Wars moments that I think fans are going to love. I think that it moves so well. Ryan Johnson truly crafted something special and gave us something unique and new about a lot of these characters that we've either known and loved for decades and generations or the ones that we met in The Force Awakens or ones that we get to meet here. And it's such a great uniting of Star Wars mythology that we're familiar with, and it adds on to it in a way that I think is very interesting and exciting for the future. And it's going to have fans debating. You know, and, and but that's the fun thing. And, and and from my circle, I haven't seen fans debating in a, oh, no, I loved it. Oh, no, I hated it kind of way. But it's more of a everybody is is on board with this. But it's just a matter of what level you are. If you like this, if you're asking questions about it, if you unequivocally love it, there's so much greatness in Star Wars the Last Jedi. Oh, awesome. And I'm a Can't monster wait. Star Wars fan. And wow. I am unapologetically one of the biggest Star Wars fans you'll meet. And what I loved about The Force Awakens, I love that movie for a lot of different reasons, but I think that it moves very well. J.J. had a very great pace to it. And Ryan Johnson has the same kind of feel here. It's a two-and-a-half-hour movie. It's the longest Star Wars movie. does not feel like that. Mm. It, no pun intended, flies by. Wow. Okay. Well, I can't imagine all the uh, Star Wars producers and Disney execs sitting by the director giving notes. I can't imagine that ever happened. <laughs> it's, it's a big campfire where they're <laughs> yeah. telling this story. Yeah. You know? <laughs> uh, the next uh, movie in a bizarre um, released window, uh, Ferdinand, mm -hmm. the, is the uh, John Cena um, bull movie. But like you know, what you do here with Star Wars: The Last Jedi, you do a counter-programming movie. You do something that has nothing to do with nerds. Children, Kids. yeah. Uh, so, so this is it's this release is baffling to me because no one is going to go see this movie and, and go. Who's like, going to oh. bring their kids? Do you want to yeah. go see Ferdinand or Star Wars? Yeah. You either you either when Star Wars comes out, you either do counter programming, which worked very well with the Tina Fey Amy Poehler movie yes. a couple years ago, Sisters, mm -hmm. or you say let's make a movie that when everybody goes to the theater and finds out the Last Jedi sold out. We can drop our kids off for a couple hours while we go shopping. Oh, you get the overflow. Ah. There's your Ferdinand. Enjoy ah. your $6 million opening weekend. Yeah. <laughs> That's not a bad strategy. Wow. Overflow <laughs> strategy. That. Yeah. Mark Ellis has some fantastic he film does. conspiracy yeah. theories. I didn't know you were such a <laughs> yeah. showbiz conspiracy theorist. I don't know. I was either. I don't know when this happened. I, I used mm. to be a nice boy. Grant, I don't know. I don't know when I when this 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 got in me. I've seen the movie JFK too many times. All those press happened. screenings, you get a little jaded over there. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. Somewhat I despise. Um, well, dude, thank you so much for being on the show. This was fantastic. It was awesome having you on. A long time coming. Yeah, we'll definitely have you back, and you're right around the corner. We'll have you do some spoiler reps. If there's any, mm -hmm. do this. If there's any movies coming up that you just like, I want to talk about just this. Text me. Yeah, and we'll have well, you on. And that's like, the dirt that we have on each other now is we know how close in proximity oh, we yes. are. So it's like you need a last-minute guest or I need a last-minute guest. Yep. You're getting a call, and yeah. we, just, we owe each other. Yeah. Right. <laughs> We're made men, but we all got to keep doing the yeah. yeah. But, yeah, I, I always have a blast with you guys. So thank, thank you guys for having me, and I cannot wait to hear y'all's reactions to The Last mm -hmm. Jedi. Mm -hmm. Let me know. 
Call me, text me, email, sure. whatever you need to do, however you need to communicate. And, you know, again, there, there's very few moments in life or in cinema. I know we talked about Star Wars coming out every Christmas or every other Christmas, but the, it, you just don't get that feeling in a theater that often when you're sitting down in a theater and the lights go down and you know you're about to see a Star Wars movie. So yeah. relish the opportunity, boys. Um, all right, so where can people find you on the Internet? Where can they see your show, watch it, listen to it? Uh, subscribe on YouTube, Schmoes No. And uh, I host Collider Movie Talk every day, so you can subscribe to Collider Video as well, see a whole lot more of my beautiful forehead. And you can tweet me <laughs> at Mark Ellis Live is a Twitter handle for all the cool upcoming stuff that we have in uh, 2018. And I'll be at the Kansas City Improv New Year's. Uh, oh, New Year's okay. Eve. So mm-hmm. me and my buddy John Caprua flying in together doing a special limited engagement there. Uh, best barbecue of any comedy club I've ever had. That, that's a, mm. The Casey Improv's nice. Yeah. I like that. It's in that crazy mall town thing, but that's it, a cool- It's in Zona Rosa, which yeah. is like, it's right in the middle of America. What do we name it? Zona Rosa. Zona Rosa. <laughs> a lot of Latinos else you gonna in name the it? middle of Kansas. <laughs> um, all right, man. Thanks for being on the show. Aaron Brungard, thank you so much. Thank you to everybody here at the All Things Comedy World Headquarters. Uh, my name is Graham Elwood. And I'm Chris Mancini. And as always, remember, Han, Han shot, shot first. first.